You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. We are finishing up this series that we started uh, four or five weeks ago. This is week five. It's the last week. We've been talking about just the busyness of life and how we can just really feel overwhelmed during the holiday season with all the expectations that are put on us. And one thing that I personally struggled with was how should we end this series? How should we take these first four weeks and kind of bring it all together here in week five? And I just started to pray and to seek and I had like three different paths that I was thinking and I had no clue which one God really wanted me to take and what he wanted us to hear this morning and I just continued to pray so this week was a little different for me because I legit prepared almost three full messages not knowing which one God wanted for us and if, if you've ever prepared a report or something like that a lot of your focus goes into that. So just think about doing three of those, right? So it took, it took a lot of time. And what I learned during this week is I was really overwhelmed with trying to figure out what God wanted from me. And I don't know if you've ever been there. If maybe let's just throw away the expectations of the world. Let's throw away the busyness. Have you ever just felt overwhelmed by being a Christ follower? Because we think that God wants us to live a certain way, which is uh, the right way to think because God does call us to live differently. But that really puts a lot of pressure on us to do things that goes against our nature because we're humans, right? Amen? Everybody has human nature. Everybody has inclinations. Everybody has a desire to follow after not Jesus all the time, but sin. And sin can be fun. Right? Do you agree with that? Amen. Can sin be fun? If you say that it's not, then you're not doing it right. Like sin can legit be fun. Because the enemy knows how to attract and how to distract. And he knows how to get in our brains and make us think that what we're doing is going to satisfy us when we know that God is saying, hey, so you're supposed to be following after me. I really don't want you to do that. And then we have this internal battle and this internal battle begins to put pressure on us and we begin to feel overwhelmed because of that. And when we begin to feel that pressure, how we respond is really important. And that was going to be one of the messages that we talked about today. But it's not the message. But I at least wanted to get that part out. Because what I think happens even more than that is that when we go through tough times and we go through things that we don't really want to go through, it's not the busyness that overwhelms us, it's the pain that overwhelms us. Or it's the guilt that overwhelms us. Or it's the, the doubt that overwhelms us. And I think that if we could get through, if we can push through the pain, if we could 
push through the, the doubt, if we can push through the confusion, then we can truly find rest in Jesus. So this morning, we're going to hit a passage in Mark chapter 5 that really shows how someone was going through one of the worst things that they could go through in life. And then we're going to see how Jesus responded to that. And in light of who Jesus is and what Jesus wants to do, how we can truly live in a way that finds rest in Him. Because if we're honest this morning, I think we would say that we want to live a life that isn't consumed with busyness, that isn't consumed with pain, that isn't consumed with guilt, that isn't consumed with doubt, but a life that is rested in the power and the person of Jesus. That's what I want for myself, and that's what I want for each one of you. I want you to be able to leave this place and say that my life is different because I truly understand what it means to walk in Jesus. I truly understand what it means to live life following after the Savior. And as we go through this, I really want you to think about your life and where you are and the pain maybe that you're going through or the doubt that you may have or the questions that may be consuming your mind. And what I want to ask you to do this morning is to try to, to put those aside and to focus on what the Word of God teaches us. And I think that through this, we can leave this place different than the way that we came in. And that should always be our goal. Every Sunday that you come to church shouldn't be just to hang out with friends, although that's fun, it's fun to fellowship. It shouldn't be just to come in here and get whatever you can get out of this, right? That's good. I want you to get something. It shouldn't be just to contribute. And again, that's good. I want you to contribute. You should come into this place, focus so much on Jesus that there's no way that you can leave this place the same way that you came in. Because you're truly allowing the Spirit to work. And that's what I want to happen in this room this morning. I want the Holy Spirit to work like never before. And it's Halloween, right? Halloween, and we did some planning for next year, and we're going to do a whole series on the Holy Spirit next year around Halloween, right? Because people think the Holy Spirit's a ghost, even though He's not. Right? So it's just going to fit. But I want you to understand that the Spirit is, is real. He's important. And He wants to change your life. He has specific roles for you. And one of His roles is to convict. And when we're convicted of the way that we're living, whether it be sin, whether it be just having a lot of questions and doubts, and we're, we're just kind of dismissing Jesus, or whatever it may be, if we're just really fearful and we're not trusting Him. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us. And through that conviction, we get closer to Jesus if we respond correctly. So this morning, that's, that's what this is about. It's about responding to the pain, to the doubt, to the guilt, so that we can leave this place differently than we came in. Let's pray, and then we're going to read Scripture together. God, I just pray that You work this morning. God, I pray that the pain that people are feeling, the doubt, the guilt, the questions, 
People are overwhelmed with life. God, I pray that through Your Word, You speak. God, and that lives are forever changed. That hearts are directed back to You. We're going to give You the honor and the glory and the praise for that. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read beginning in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says this, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about Him, and He was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing Him, He fell at His feet and implored Him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And then verse 24 through 34, Jesus, he hears this ruler talking about his daughter being at the point of death. And then Jesus begins to do something else. A woman comes up to Jesus. She touches him. She's made well. And all this is happening while this ruler's daughter is at the point of death. So we're going to jump down to verse 35. And it says this, while he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house, some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Telitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. Here's the context of this story. This father comes to Jesus and says, I need you because my daughter is at the point of death. My daughter is dying. Jesus is in this big crowd. And instead of responding immediately to this father, Jesus begins to talk to this other woman and heal this other person. And during this conversation and during Jesus healing someone else, news gets to the father that his daughter has died. Don't even worry about messing with Jesus anymore because your daughter's dead. It's too late. And just, I want you to understand that life oftentimes works like this. That before things get better, it usually gets worse. And some of you may be sitting here thinking, man, it's pretty bad. I'm not sure that it could get any worse. And I'm hurting so bad, I'm not sure that I could hurt anymore. Or maybe your doubts are just growing and you're not sure that you can move forward. Or maybe you're just so filled with guilt that you just don't think that you could be any more guilty. And maybe you're in the place that's worse and the better's about to come. But I just want you to be prepared and understand that you may feel overwhelmed with whatever you're going through and that could get worse before it gets better. But we have a role to play and some steps to take and we can help progress forward. Right? So here's what 
happens. Number one is this. This is how we can really find rest when it's really hard. Right? When it's really hard to find rest. When things aren't going right. When life is just really difficult. Number one is this. We trust during the trouble. We have to trust during the trouble. We see that they come and they tell Jesus and the ruler, hey, you know what? She's dead. Stop messing with them. Jesus overhears it. And what does Jesus say? Verse 36 says this, but overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only what? Believe. Only believe. We have to trust in the trouble. Here's the problem. Is that when we find ourselves in a, in a state of panic or a state of trouble or a state of grief or a state of doubt, we run the opposite direction of Jesus most of the time. Most of us, we run away from Jesus. We run away from community. We run away from the church when God is specifically calling us to run to Him in times of trouble. And the problem is, if we don't do that, life gets all out of whack. Life gets out of whack because we are made to live in community with Him. And it's really, really, really easy for the most part to trust God when things are going pretty well. Because we think He's for us, right? Man, if we got that promotion at work, man, we're trusting God, we're praising God. Thank you for that promotion. When we, we pray and something happens that we really want, we're, we're trusting God, we really praise Him, we, we thank Him for that. But here's the problem. We, we know this, that life isn't always great. Amen? Life isn't always what we want it to be. We're going to find ourselves in trouble. We're going to find ourselves going through these different seasons. And we must trust God during the trouble. But I want you to just think about this phrase when he says, do not fear, only believe. How simple is that statement, right? It's really easy for us to say that. It's easy to read. Do not fear, only believe. Do not fear, only believe. We just went through a, a whole season of faith over fear, right? We saw that everywhere. Faith over fear, faith over fear, faith over fear. And then as people are writing this on Facebook and they're hashtagging it on Instagram and people are tweeting all these crosses and all this stuff, faith over fear, as we begin to live life and make decisions, it seems like fear is always over faith. Because it doesn't matter what you say, it doesn't matter what you post, it doesn't matter what your hashtag is, it matters how you live it out. Man, I, I love the fact that we get to, we get to show what, what the church is about on social media. I love the fact that we make these cool hashtags and they're really creative and, and people like those and, and that's awesome. But here's the truth. 
We can put all that on social media, and if we're not living it out as a church, it doesn't matter. And I don't care what you put on social media. If you're not living it out, it doesn't matter. Stop fearing the future. Don't worry about what's coming. Trust God now in the trouble. Because He's doing something. Right? And this story shows us that. Here's this father who just lost his little daughter. His 12-year-old daughter has just died. And I just can't imagine the pain and the anguish. And Jesus is saying, hey, don't fear, only believe. In the midst of what had to be the hardest time of his life. And some of you are going through what may be the hardest time of your life. And Jesus is saying, trust me during this trouble. Don't fear. Believe that I'm doing something. But the story doesn't stop. And that's the, that's the good part, right? That there's a process happening here. And we have to trust in that. We have, to, we have to know that there's purpose in the process. There's purpose in the pain. There's purpose in what Jesus is doing. Even if we can't see it. Because a lot of times we, we wouldn't trust Jesus if we could see the end result because we would try to get there ourselves. So I I struggle with this because I'm a I'm a control type person and I really want to be able to control situations and I really want to be able to to know if if we make this decision this is going to happen and if we do this this is going to happen and I want to look at the data and look at the trends and see which way we're going and look at the indicators of things and that's just how my brain works. And Jesus says, hey, I'm, not re- I'm really not going to give you any of that. I want you to trust me. Just believe that I'm working in the process and that I'm working for your good. And then we see that as the story continues, Verse 38 says, They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And verse 40 is one of the most important verses in Scripture to me. It says, And they laughed at him. They laughed at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? It says, But he put them all outside. And took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Number two is this. You have to change your company. You have to change your company. If you really want to live in the rest that Jesus offers, you have to surround yourself with people who are also trying to live in the rest that Jesus offers. And this is hard for people because... We're really close with certain people and we we have a group maybe that we hang out with. And I want you to know that when your parents told you when you were younger that you become who you hang out with, that's the truth. It happens. So kids, when your parents tell you that you're not hanging out with this person because they're just not a good influence, they probably know what they're talking about. And God knows this. Jesus 
kicked people out of the house. We did a series called Breakthrough last summer, and and we used this passage, and what we saw is that not everybody's invited to the breakthrough, right? Sometimes when, when we're about to experience a breakthrough, we have to get rid of people because they're not ready to experience it. And not everybody's invited to your breakthrough. If we really want to live in the rest that Jesus offers, when we're going through this process, oftentimes we have to change the company that we're around. And it doesn't mean that we're not friends with other people. It doesn't mean that we're not trying to, to share the gospel with other people. It means that our inner circle, the circle that gets to experience and do life with us, are the people that are chasing after Jesus the way that we are. Or at least have the desire and the passion to do so. And we get to take steps of faith together. But a lot of times you have to change your company. I don't know where where your life was and where it is now, but I can think back on my life and see that when I began to surround myself with different people, my life began to change drastically. And it wasn't because just these people are so bad and they want you to fail. It's that these people aren't chasing after the same thing that you're chasing after. So you have people pulling you in different directions when there's one direction to go and it's straight towards the Savior. We get distracted. And you know where that word came from? I learned this today, in my or this week, as I was studying for three messages. I learned, right, what, where this word came from. And this word literally meant, back in the day when it was created, the word distract was when they would tie all four limbs to four different horses and just let them take off. And it would just rip your body apart. And that's where the word comes from. And that's really what distraction does to us. It takes us in so many different directions that we're ripped apart and we're not focused on the Savior who loves us and wants to give us rest. We have to change the company. And here's number three. We rest in the resurrection. Verse 41 says this, Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Telethakumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. This This is what Jesus does. Jesus takes impossible situations and he breathes life into them. Here's this father who's going through the worst pain imaginable of losing a child. And I can imagine that he's blaming a lot of people at this point because he went to Jesus. Jesus didn't really respond to him. Instead of responding, Jesus begins to help someone else. And while he's helping someone else, his daughter dies. And I can imagine blaming Jesus for taking too long. 
blaming this other woman for even trying to get in the way. And I don't know if you've been here, but the more we get consumed and overwhelmed with things going on around us, the more we begin to be at odds with other people. The more we begin to blame other people. The more we begin to uh, despise other people or resent other people because we're so consumed and overwhelmed with the situation or with the expectations or with the pain or with whatever it may be, we begin to shift all the blame, all the anger, all the resentment to other people. And Jesus is saying, hey, trust me in the trouble. There's a process going on, and I know you don't understand the process, but there's purpose in the process. So trust me. Don't fear. Don't worry about it. Believe I am who I say I am. And I say that I'm for you. I'm not against you. I say that I'm working things out. I say that I'll never leave you. And that if I'm for you, nothing can come up against you and and have victory because I've already given you victory. Believe. Believe I am who I say, say I am and I will take care of you. It may not be what you want. It may not be when you want. But if you're trusting in the trouble and you understand that there's purpose in the process, then life becomes a little easier to bear because we're casting our burdens on Him. And He carries the weight for us. And then He shows up. We're going to close here this morning. But He shows up and He does what only He can do. No one else could have walked into that house and told a dead little girl to wake up, to get up, and it happened. Right? No one. No one has resurrection power but Jesus. And then as Christ followers, He says, hey, this, the same power that Jesus had, I'm giving to you. I'm giving you the power of the Spirit. I want you to be my hands and my feet on earth. And what do we do with that? We get so busy and so overwhelmed with life and the things of this world that we don't tap into the Holy Spirit, which is given to us as Christ followers. And we don't live in the rest that God has. I don't know if you understand this, and it is really hard sometimes to to allow this to sink in. But the God that created the universe, the creator of the world, He loves you so much that He sent His Son to this earth to be ridiculed, to be mocked, to be beaten, to be killed for you. Like, for real, right? This happened. It's not just some story in a book. This is history and it's reality that a man named Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again, 
defeating death. And then he said, hey, I'm going back to heaven. I'm going back to the Father, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to send a helper to you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And all the things that I've done, Jesus says while I'm here, you'll be able to do even greater things because the Spirit is within you. Here's the problem. Here's why we don't see that stuff anymore is because we don't believe it. We don't believe that the Spirit really resides in us in a way that can transform who we are, transform our families, transform our communities, and change the world. Because a lot of times what we think is, man, there's so much going on around us. There's holiday after holiday and party after party and meeting after meeting and we're so busy and I'm going through a really hard time. And man, guess what? You're not by yourself. There's a lot of people that feel the way you feel. And the Holy Spirit is still within you. All we have to do is tap in to the Spirit. Scripture teaches us that we should really ask for more and more and more of the Spirit every day. And guess what God will do? He'll give you more and more and more and more of the Spirit every day. So if you're living this life and you just feel overwhelmed, you're living this life and you just feel like you're not making any progress spiritually, and you just want to, you just want to rest. You truly just want to rest in who Jesus is and who, who He wants you to be. Then what you have to understand is that He's given you everything that you need to get that rest. And we rest in the resurrection. And Jesus, we talked about this a couple Easter's ago, but Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. It's not just an event, right? It's who He is. So we rest in Him. We rest in the resurrection. We rest in who He is. And He's a God who loves you. He's a God who walks into a room with a dead girl and says, get up. And some of you, you need to hear that today. God's walking into your room and He's saying, hey, get up. And you've been sleeping long enough. You've been overwhelmed long enough. You've been busy long enough. You've been hurting long enough. You've been grieving long enough. And it doesn't mean that you have to stop the grieving process. It means that you give it to Him and you get up. And you allow Him to do what only He can do. She gets up and she begins to walk. She begins to take steps. She begins to live again. And some of you, you're in a place in your life where you need to live again. You've been sleeping and God's saying, wake up, get up, and walk. Trust me in the trouble. I know that you're hurting, but I'm here to comfort you. I know that you don't understand what's going on, but there really is purpose in the process. There's some people that are around you that you, you really need to, you need to change the company. And then we can truly rest in the resurrection of Jesus. 
we can rest in who He is. And if that's you this morning and you're just here and you're just, you've been sleeping. And, and I want you to really think about this in your life. You've just been sitting on the sideline. You've just been waiting for life to settle down. I want to tell you something. The world around us is never going to settle down. We only find rest when we leave the busyness and we go straight to Jesus. It's never going to settle down around you. It's just going to get busier and busier with more expectations. Because that's the world we live in. But if it's you that's just been sitting on the sideline and and you're really not living for Him and you're not finding rest in Him this morning, I do not want you to leave this place without making the decision to say, hey, it's time for me. Man, it's, it's sports season right now. And I'm going to use a little metaphor. But it's time for us to get off of the bench and to get in the game. Because this isn't a sport where only a certain number of people can be on the field. This is a sport where the whole team is offered a spot. The whole team has a role to play. And there's some of you that haven't been fulfilling your role because you're just too overwhelmed with everything else going on in life. And I get it. I know that it's busy. But if we can truly find rest in the resurrection and we can believe that God wants to bring you up and to raise you out of death and out of sleep and out of complacency, and we can begin to take steps of faith together. And that's what we want to do as a family and as a community of Christ followers. So with no one looking around, everyone's eyes closed. If that's you this morning and you just need to take that next step and you you say, hey, you know what? I have been kind of just sleeping. I'm just so busy and overwhelmed. And I want to live in a way that shows that I have rest And I want to live in whatever it is that God has called me to do. If that's you this morning, will you just raise your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. Anybody else? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, I want you to understand that you're never going to find rest. That rest only comes in a relationship with Him. And if you've never made the decision to put your faith in Him, To say, hey, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I know my sin separates me from God and Jesus bridges that gap because of the cross, the resurrection. And I want to commit to follow Him and to live the way that He has called me to live. If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand? Thank you. Let's pray together. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.